Hello and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Phil, I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. If this is your first time here, please hit like and subscribe below to stay in touch. You can get in contact with me through the links you can see on the screen next to me. We've got a great uh, sequence of midweek activities going on every week, uh, including life groups, support groups, prayer meetings. We'd love to have you involved. We'd love to learn from your wisdom and be supported by you and in turn support you and help you in your walk with Jesus. We're really excited that we're about to begin the process of reopening the church and uh, engaging even more fully with the community around us. If you're excited and passionate about seeing people's lives transformed through the love of Christ, then please do uh, come and get in contact with us and we'd love to work with you in that. We are in the uh, middle of a series of talks for Lent, looking at Jesus's heart at the very centre of his being, uh, who Jesus is and, and what he wants for us. Last week we saw how Jesus noticed people and he was moved to help them, that he was compassionate. And for the next two weeks we're going further and we're thinking about an aspect of Jesus that is something we don't often talk about. Uh, we're thinking about joy, Jesus's joy and what he wants for us in terms of it. Before we dig into that subject in a bit more detail, here is today's lunchtime summary. This is a one sentence summary of what we're going to be talking about today so that you can remember it and uh, put it into action. And here's today's. Jesus lived a life of joy and he wants to share that joy with us. Jesus lived a life of joy and he wants to share that joy with us. As I say, this is a two part sermon, so please do tune in next week and uh, find out uh, the second part. I wonder whether we naturally think of Jesus as a happy man. I say that I don't think we think of Jesus as unhappy necessarily, although some of us may uh, be familiar with the descriptions of him as a man of sorrows. But I think of most of the pictures and statues I've seen of Christ and they are almost without exception, very somber, very serious, quite po-faced. He doesn't seem to be painted smiling or laughing. He's more usually depicted as looking unmoved at the world around him as people come to him. The more I've spent time meditating and reading the portrayals of Jesus in the Bible, however, the stranger that depiction has seemed to me. Obviously, Jesus was a serious man at times. He lived a life of purpose. He healed people, uh, crowds of people who suffered. He transformed the lives of poor and destitute people who weren't listened to by anyone else. He faced down religious and political elites. He suffered and was crucified. More than that, we must always remember, Jesus knew what it was to suffer, both emotionally and physically. He grew tired. He sweated. His muscles ached. He bled. He wept. But these depictions of Jesus don't tell us the whole story. See, when Jesus himself had to describe his emotional state, what he felt, he reached for a very different word. He described himself as being full of joy, as having joy. And that joy was what he wanted to give to those who followed him. Jesus lived a life of joy and he wants us to as well. We're going to look at this from a number of different perspectives. First, I'm going to defend the idea that Jesus was joyful and that he wants that for us in case that's 
counterintuitive. It's important we see it from the Bible. Then we're going to explore some of the ways that we can work with the Holy Spirit to experience the joy that Jesus wants for us. Before I go any further, I want to define what I mean by joy here. And I'm going to use the work of uh, a great pastor, um, uh, John Piper, the American, whose ministry is built around uh, the idea of joy. And I think he suggests a definition that's very helpful. Piper says this, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word and in the world. I'll say that again. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in his word and in the world. That's a useful shorthand, I think. When Jesus described his own emotional state, he didn't say that he was serious or sad or angry or hopeful. He described himself as having joy. Here are some examples. I've got my Bible here. Open it up. These are taken from Jesus's last talk with his disciples. And it's always instructive to see what someone thought was the most important thing he had to say to his friends just before he died. I mean, that carries a lot of weight. This is what Jesus's last talk with his disciples said and uh, his prayer for them. So I'm reading from John chapter 15 and verse 11. Jesus said this, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The reason, the end, the aim of Jesus teaching his disciples to love one another and to remain in his commandments was so that the joy he experienced could be theirs. Jesus experienced joy and he wants to give it to us. Then when he prayed for them, he said this, Father, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they, that's those who follow Jesus, may have the full measure of my joy within them. In other words, in all of the joy they've experienced so far, the joy of seeing me heal the sick, the joy of finding the, the light of the world, the Messiah, the joy of being incredibly influential, and the joy of being part of a movement that transformed uh, Israel, all of that isn't even the full extent of Jesus's joy. I'm telling them this now and I'm praying for them so that they can have even more joy. Jesus was filled with joy and he wants us to be too. Let's just pause and think about that for a moment. The last thing Jesus prayed for his disciples before he died was that they would be filled with his joy. The last thing he asked for before he died was that they would be filled with his joy. The last command he gave his disciples was aimed at enabling them to be filled with his joy. Jesus was filled with joy and he wants us to be too. We might think that this is just a one-off, so let's look at something that came after Jesus. How influential was this idea? Well, here's St. Paul, who developed Jesus' teaching and applied it to the church more than anyone else. What does he say about it? This is what he wrote in Romans chapter 14, verses 17 to 18. 
The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. Now, I think we could probably get on board with both of those things. Christians are those who are called to live well. We don't have any problem with that idea. They're called to make peace. We don't have any problem with that idea. And he says, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Jesus enjoyed being one of us. He enjoyed his relationship with God. He enjoyed the world he'd made. He enjoyed his time with his disciples. He may have been a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as Isaiah tells us. He may have mourned the sin and death in the world he made. But underpinning that was a deep sense of joy in life itself, in his relationship with God and with others. Now, I think that most of us find the idea of joy attractive. We, we like the idea of being happy in God. I certainly do. But before we go any further and think a bit more about what this might mean for our lives, I want to concede something. And I think it's important to say this. Joy or happiness comes more naturally to some people than to others. Joy or happiness comes more naturally to some people than to others. And that's not a moral failing. Being someone who's naturally sad is not a moral failing. Some of us are a bit like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I will be open with you. I am an Eeyore. We watched Winnie the Pooh a lot when our kids were young, and I think it's great. It, it has a really great depictions of what life is like by putting them into the uh, mouths and the lives of these uh, stuffed toy animals. Here's what I mean when I describe a person who's a bit Eeyore-ish. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. However, did I get your tail back on properly, Eeyore? No matter. Most likely lose it again anyway. Some of us are naturally Eeyore-ish. We naturally think it's going to rain. We naturally say, if it stays on, which it probably won't. Others of us are a bit more like Tigger. Here's Tigger. Me and both like this. The wonderful things about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. The tops are made out of rubber, the bottoms are made out of springs. The bouncy, trouncy, flouncy, pouncy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful things about Tiggers is I'm the only one. The wonderful things about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful chaps. The motor with them and with finger, it must to live in your lap. The jumpy, bumpy, clumpy, thumpy, fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful things about Tiggers is I'm the only one. When we talk about living joyfully, People who are a bit Eeyore-ish, me, naturally Eeyore-ish, can start to tune out or despair. It feels a bit like being condemned for our personality. You're telling me I should be someone else. I understand that fear. I share it. I am, as I've said, someone who is by biology and temperament prone to depression, prone to sadness. A bit of an Eeyore. Nothing I'm saying today should make Eeyores feel that they are called by God to be Tiggers, if I can put it that way. God doesn't want a world full of Tiggers. Tiggers are great, but the whole world isn't meant to be filled with them. He wants people to have different personalities and dispositions. God wants me as much as he wants my bouncy, happy, flouncy, uh, fun, 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 fun neighbour. However, I will just say this to myself. 
I am aware, as someone who tends towards being sad or melancholy, that I particularly do need to hear what Jesus says about joy. I haven't got this sorted. Because of who I am, I need to work at it and receive it. You see, that's the other alternative. And we want to resist that as well. On the one hand, we can say to uh, people who are Eeyore-ish, well, you have to be Tiggers. On the other hand, as an Eeyore-ish person, I need to work at joy. I'm created to experience joy. That's what God wants for me and I need to work at it. This is a huge subject. If you want to dig into it more deeply, I do recommend the resources that come from John Piper and his colleagues at Desiring God. I don't agree with Pastor John about everything, but I think on this, he's got a really powerful and perceptive insight into Christ's heart. So this week and next week, I'm going to touch on six ways that we can pursue joy in Jesus. And it's going to be intensely practical. First, take joy in Jesus's words, in the word, by which I mean the Bible. The first key to experiencing joy as a Christian is to get to know, to meditate on and to rejoice in the Bible. Joy for a Christian comes from being close to and seeing Jesus. And we do this most clearly through his word. That's what Jesus was saying in that reading from John chapter 15. He connects being in his teaching, being in the Bible with receiving his joy. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this. In other words, I've told you, keep my commands, remain in my commands. So that, there's the connection, my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. We don't have time to go through all the promises that God gives of blessing and joy for those who learn to love his word. It's a really good study to do at home. But if you want joy as a Christian, and indeed I would say even as a non-Christian, this is actually the, the path to joy, I'm pointing it to you and it can be yours if you will follow Christ. We first of all need to make time to regularly read and ponder the scripture. Now I, I think a lot of us stop there. We do read and ponder the scripture, but we, we wanna go further than that. We want to learn to de delight in the scripture. We want to look for things to praise God for, to ask him, praying to give us a heart that delights in his word. And as we do that, as we begin to come to him and look for the things we can praise him for and ask him for a heart to delight in his word, we find that our joy starts to increase. Now I'm conscious that um, not everyone's great at reading, not everyone likes reading. You don't have to be great at reading to do this. We live in a time when we're blessed to have many audio Bibles available. You can hear the Bible read to you on headphones. You uh, can download the YouVersion app or the Bible in One Year app and free of charge someone will read you the Bible. On the Bible in One Year app it's David Suchet, the great actor who's reading free of charge the Bible to us completely in a year. So the first key to Christian joy is to delight in scripture. The second is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, joy is not something we naturally work up in ourselves. Some of us do have uh, personalities that are disposed towards joy, but, but really deep down, it's something that is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. We've already seen that, that St. Paul describes the kingdom of God as encompassing joy in the Holy Spirit. Elsewhere, he describes joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Something that comes about when the Holy Spirit fills our lives. 
This, as we learn to walk with God, as we learn to walk with his spirit, allow him to fill our lives and are used by him, that he brings us joy. I remember when a friend of mine who was absolutely lovely, and she is, she is lovely, a wonderful Christian woman, uh, came to uh, a conference that I, I was attending and someone prayed for her. She came and said, God, I want to be filled more with your Holy Spirit. I want to be baptised in your Holy Spirit. I know something of him, but I want him to fill my life completely. And someone put their hands on her, her, her and prayed for her. And she said, yeah, I received the Holy Spirit. And it was as if someone had whammed her with a happy potion. Now, not everyone gets that, but honestly, the grin was so wide, I was worried that her head was going to break. It was like watching the Cheshire Cat out of... Alice in Wonderland. She looked visibly filled with joy. What does that mean in practice? It means asking the Holy Spirit to fill us. If you're someone who prays in tongues or has a prayer language, praying in that regularly, it means listening to what the Spirit is prompting us to do and doing it, developing that relationship, letting him fill our lives. Finding time to worship in song or in word, even if you're on your own. If you're in the car, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then finally for this week, the third thing we're going to look at this week is to empty our lives of sin. So we want to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit or be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be emptied of sin. We need to be honest about this. I'm going to say something you won't often uh, hear a pastor saying. Sin, that is doing the things that God tells us not to do, not loving God with our whole heart and mind and strength and not loving other people as ourselves, often feels really good. It does. It feels great. This isn't something I've made up, and I'm not talking heresies, just so you know that. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, the Bible acknowledges this. In Hebrews 11, we read that Moses, the man of God, knew all about this. It says, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And there's the, there's the key. Sin, disobeying God, doing what we want, feels great for a moment. But it passes and it leaves destruction behind it. It feels great for a moment, but it passes and leaves destruction behind it. It ultimately cuts us off from the true source of our joy, which is uh, our relationship with God and with other people. It's a bit like playing football, I was thinking about this. Uh, there are times when I've played football and uh, it is so tempting to just hack down an opponent. I have been on in defence uh, playing in a football match and there's a guy running past me time and time again. He might be a bit cocky. He's knocked it through my legs three times. I'm doing my best to keep him out. We're fighting to stay in the match and he goes past me again and oh my goodness, I just want to kick his legs out. Now I, I know as a pastor maybe I shouldn't own that, but there is that temptation and I've got to tell you when you do it, it feels great. You get your own back on him, you plant one on him, you bring him down. Or you stick your hand out and you just grab the ball away. And in that moment, it feels really good. It's a pleasure. But it's a passing pleasure. See, what happens next is that you get a free kick given against you or you get a penalty given against you. And more often than not, if you do it badly enough, you get sent off. And all of a sudden, that pleasure has passed in a moment. And now you've got to live with the consequences your team losing, your teammates being angry with you, the disappointment that you've let yourself down, the knowledge that you've hurt someone else. It may feel good in the moment, but almost immediately that pleasure passes and pain and sadness replaces it. 
contrast that fleeting pleasure with the joy that Jesus is talking about. It doesn't blow away like the wind, it doesn't pass in a moment. It's lasting and enduring joy that survives pain and loss and even death. It's the kind of joy that sustained St Paul when he was in prison or being flogged and he was still able to say, I'm full of joy. Nothing can conquer that. If we want to experience that kind of joy, in order to say yes to that, we've got to say no to the fleeting temptation of the pleasure of sin. Say no to hacking down our opponents so we can stay in the game and receive the ultimate joy of winning the trophy. We need to learn to say no to sin, to say yes to Christ's joy. So there are three first keys to living in the joy that Jesus wants to give us. First, learn to love scripture. Second, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And third, learn to say no to the fleeting pleasure of sin, to say yes to the enduring joy of God. Come back next week and we're going to see the final three keys to finding joy in God. Jesus lived a life of joy and he wants to share that with us.